If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 4. John chapter 4. Tonight I want to deal with the question, I noted it this morning as we were closing, what is genuine faith in Jesus and what does genuine faith in Jesus look like? We've just come from the account where we see genuine faith in the Samaritans who believe in Jesus after the woman at the well brings them to meet him. This morning we looked at this final section of verses in chapter 4. And we saw the man who came to Jesus deeply troubled because his son was gravely ill. And he came asking Jesus to come down and heal his son. And in the midst of this passage, we see Jesus' challenge. It's a challenge given to the people who, who were around, who were hearing this exchange with this official It's a challenge to people who weren't believing in Jesus but had only gathered and come around him because of his miracles, what they had heard of him, maybe even had been around to have witnessed what he had done when he was there. John pointed to this back in chapter 2. If you want to keep a finger in John chapter 4, you can look at this in John chapter 2 in verses 23 through 25 where he said, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many, hear this, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But, which is a cue that what they had wasn't believing faith. Verse 24, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people And needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. And so those people that we hear of in chapter 2, they're seeing, here's Jesus, this man that seems to have authority, who comes into the temple at this time of the feast. And remember, he, he cleared the temple of the money changers, those who were buying and selling. So what we're seeing here now in chapter 4, in verses 43 through 54, and we dealt with this this morning, it raises the question, what is genuine faith in Jesus? We've seen some who have genuine faith in Jesus during our study so far through through and into chapter 4. We've seen those, as we just showed, uh, who who are attracted to Jesus, his miracles, his his seeming authority, and yet they don't have faith in him, but they're... They're looking to see what they can get or what they can enjoy from his presence. That raises this question. What is genuine faith in Jesus? What does it look like? So let's go back to the text that we looked at this morning and let's read that first and follow along as I read. Again, reading from the English Standard Version, verses 43, beginning in verse 43 to the end of chapter 4 in John. After After the two days he departed for Galilee, For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet had no honor in his own hometown. So he came to Galilee. The Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill, 
When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Well, we see these signs of those who put their faith in Jesus. They believe in him. But we also see signs of people who who are attracted to Jesus, his authority, his miracles, and they don't have faith in him, but The question that I raise is this, that what does genuine faith in Jesus look like? And how will we know when there are those around us who proclaim they have put their faith in Jesus, are they they believers? Is there some evidence that we ought to be able to see and recognize? And I would suggest that there are some characteristics that ought to be true of us if we say we're, we're trusting in Jesus, our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to point to three characteristics tonight of genuine faith in Jesus. And these are really basic and fundamental, but these are really important. The first first is this. Genuine faith in Jesus is, and this might seem obvious, but uh, you see see this, you don't see this in some who proclaim they're, uh, they're Christians in the world in which we live. Genuine faith in Jesus is belief in Jesus. Belief in Jesus and his word. Belief in Jesus and his word. That's genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone might say, I, I believe in God. And you ask, what do you do with Jesus? And they don't have an answer for you. They're not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as the scriptures teach. There's a demonstration of what this looks like in verse 50. This genuine faith in Jesus as belief in Jesus and his word is a demonstration of this and what this looks like in verse 50 when the man whose son is dying is told by Jesus to go. Go, your son will live. And what does he do? He, he goes. <laughs> Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Genuine faith believes in Jesus, and genuine faith believes his word. That's what Paul and Silas told the jailer in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Believe in Jesus. Some get this wrong when they think that being religious is the same thing as having faith in Jesus or faith in God, but genuine faith is faith in Jesus, in his finished work on the cross. 
belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he came to accomplish on the cross and finished there. Genuine faith in Jesus is not being merely religious. It's not a religious experience. In Matthew 23, Jesus condemned the scribes and the Pharisees for being merely religious. Although you look at their their practices and they were extremely religious, but that's all they were. They didn't have genuine faith in Jesus. So their religion, even though it was, they went to great lengths to exercise their religion, their religion was empty and it was meaningless because it, it wasn't genuine faith in Jesus, in the, the one who came to save them from their sins. And genuine faith in Jesus isn't merely being curious about things that are religious. You'll meet people like that that are curious about things that are religious. Maybe they've even read the Bible. Curiosity about religion is not true faith in Jesus. You can hear it in the challenge from Jesus in verse 48 when he says, uh, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and, and uh, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Interestingly, I noted it this morning, the Greek for you used twice in this verse is plural. So he's not only speaking to the man, this official whose son was at death's door, but he's also speaking to the people who'd gathered around. So Jesus was actually directing this statement to the crowd that was watching, and not only to this man, uh, the, the Legacy Standard Bible translates it helpfully this way. So Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. So some of these people wanted to, sh- uh, uh, wanted to see something from Jesus. They wanted to be, um, maybe they wanted to be entertained by his miracles. They wanted to show from Jesus, show us some miracles, entertain us. That's not true faith in Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus was confronting was their lack of faith, the fact that they were not trusting in him, which was seen in the people's appetite for experiencing a performance of miracles. Uh, What a contrast, I think. Uh, If you think back just just a few verses, what a contrast from what we see from the Samaritans. When they come to Jesus, they're not coming because they had heard of any miracles that he had done. They heard the witness from the woman at the well. There were no miracles drawing them at all. And in verse 42, they tell the woman who had met Jesus at the well, who had come to witness to them, who testified of Jesus and said, come see, come meet this man. They say to her, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. They were believing in Jesus and they were believing his words. That's real faith. That's genuine faith in Jesus. They came to meet Jesus, asked him to stay, and he stayed a couple of days, and they listened to him, and they believed his message, and they believed in him. That's genuine faith in Jesus. That's belief in Jesus 
and his word. Secondly, I would say closely connected to that is this next characteristic. Genuine faith in Jesus is based on the truth of God's word. God's word is true. Genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is based on the truth of God's word. Genuine faith is not a leap of faith. You might hear somebody say, well, you're just taking a leap of faith. You don't, you don't have anything to base your faith on. And that is not true. We have God's word. We have the promises of God's word. And genuine faith in Jesus is not a leap of faith, and it's not based on a feeling. It's not based on an emotion. Even though you can have some emotions connected with your faith, um, I can speak to that because I can get emotional sometimes. But genuine faith is not connected to an emotion or a feeling. Genuine faith is based on the truth of God's word, the truth of the Bible. God's word is true. Again, we see it in the example of the Samaritans here in John 4, who believed in Jesus because of his words. It's seen again here when the man whose son is ill goes home. When Jesus tells him to go, he he took Jesus at his word, and he didn't keep arguing to have Jesus come with him. At first, he asked Jesus to come with him to his home, yes. Verse 47 says he, he asked Jesus to come down and heal his son. Then again in verse 49, the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. But now, when Jesus tells him to go, he goes. He doesn't argue. What's he doing? He's taking Jesus at his word. That's not a leap of faith. That's an informed faith. That's an informed faith when Jesus tells him in verse 50, Go, your son will live. And it says, The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So what does this kind of faith look like lived out in the lives of believers? A very helpful passage uh, that will really uh, take you back to the Old Testament believers is the book of Hebrews and chapter 11. We call it the by faith chapter. Listen to verse 1 of Hebrews 11. Because this, this is just introducing what it looks like to live by faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance How can we be assured of the the things that we hope for from God? We have his word. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the testimony of the Spirit. The rest of chapter 11 in Hebrews goes on with example after example from the history of Israel of how people who have, how they behave when they put their faith in God. Warren Wearsby says, about Hebrews 11. This is not a definition of faith, but a description of what faith does and how it works. He says, not a definition, but a description of what faith does and how it works. 
True Bible faith is not blind optimism or a manufactured hope-so feeling or a leap, like I said earlier. Neither is it an intellectual assent to a doctrine. It is certainly not believing in spite of evidence. That would be superstition. He says, true Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. And then he says, read that last sentence again and let that soak into your mind and heart. Let me read that for you again. He says, true Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. This faith operates quite simply. God speaks and we hear his word. We trust his word and act on it no matter what the circumstances are or what the consequences may be. The circumstances may be impossible and the consequences frightening and unknown, but we obey God's word just the same and believe him to do what is right and what is best. It's a good good review of what Hebrews 11 holds for you if you go and read that chapter later. You see, genuine faith in Jesus is an informed faith. A faith that is based on the truth, the truth of God's word. That's why Paul writes in Romans 10 and verse 17, so faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing through what? The word, the word of Christ. For your faith to be proper faith, genuine faith, you need to read and hear. And you can read the word and not listen to it. You can hear the word proclaimed and even read to you and not listen to it. What we mean is a genuine faith shows itself in taking in the truth of God's word and hearing it so that you obey, so that you take steps to obey. For your faith to be proper faith, genuine faith, you need to read and hear the Word of God, the Word of Christ, the Bible. So Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. You know what happens when you're leaning on your own understanding? You're forgetting the wisdom of the Bible. You're, you're turning your back on the wisdom of God's word when you're trying to do what you think is best and, and ignore what God says in his word. So genuine faith in Jesus is no leap of faith. And it's not based on our feelings. You know, if you base your faith on how you feel, one day you're going to feel like a believer. And another day you're going to feel like an unbeliever based on how you feel. And and that may happen throughout the day. Genuine faith in Jesus is no leap of faith. And it's not based on your feelings. This is why believers are told this in Colossians 3.16, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
And that word, uh, don't let that word let, that little, uh, three little word let in the English Standard Version, let, it's, the idea is to see to it. <laughs> see to it that the word of Christ dwells in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So see to it, or make sure, or let the word of Christ dwell in you, how? Richly, abundantly. Make sure the word of Christ dwells in you. Make sure the word of Christ has room to live in you. Make sure the word of Christ, that you're not turning your back on the word, that you you are submitting to the truth of the word, and that you are allowing yourself to be corrected by it, and changed by it, all with the wisdom of God. So again, genuine faith in Jesus is based on the truth of God's word. And then the third characteristic is that genuine faith in Jesus is a growing faith. It's a growing faith. Genuine faith is, I mentioned it earlier, it's not an experience that you perform and then go back to living the life that you lived before you came to faith in Jesus. You cannot remain unchanged. You cannot remain the way you were without Christ. Genuine faith in Jesus that's based on what Jesus has done and is informed by his word will be a growing faith, which means you're going to be changing and becoming more and more like Christ as you take steps to obey his word. Get his word in. Back to that idea of getting the word of God into your heart and mind and life. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Every time, it seems like every time I read that passage, and I've probably read that passage hundreds, maybe thousands of times, that's overwhelming to think about the power of the Word of God when you read it, when you submit to it, when you put it into your heart and mind, when you're letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. It pierces your soul. I think of it in terms of what a heart surgeon does when he goes in with a scalpel. God's Word is supernatural in that way. It's like no other book. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Thoughts. Your hidden motives. The things that no one else knows about you but, but God and His Word. That's a life that's being constantly changed and transformed by the Word. Why? Because your faith is in Jesus and is informed by His Word. And the Word changes you and your faith grows and it's strengthened and you continue to believe in Christ. And it's not that you won't hit a spiritual valley, that you won't have times when you when you're struggling spiritually, but, but by and large, you're going to be growing, making progress day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. 
Again, that's why you need the Word of God to inform your faith, strengthen your faith, to embolden you to obey God's Word. Again, as Wearsby says, in spite of circumstances and consequences. I can't overemphasize how important that is because we can get so caught up in paying attention to our circumstances and what we think may be the consequences if we make this decision. And we, we tend to gravitate away from the truth of God's word at times and think about with our feelings what might happen. But we need to believe in God's word. Trust, trust God's word. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe his words. So important, as Wearsby says, in spite of circumstances and consequences. You know, this is also the Apostle John's purpose in writing this gospel. I'll remind you again, John says, chapter 20, verses 20, uh, or, uh, 30 and 31. Chapter 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I think that goes beyond eternal life. We tend to gravitate toward our heavenly home someday when either the Lord returns or calls us home. But I don't believe that God intends for us to live this life on earth without that life that he gives, that we can only obtain from believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we may have life now, true life in its truest sense, this side of heaven. John wants his readers to believe in Jesus and have faith in Jesus, that by believing you may have life in his name. Eternal life, yes, absolutely, and praise God. But also life now. A life lived where we give our days, our moments in each day, our years, our weeks and months in each year to the Lord Jesus Christ to glorify him, And we turn to the word of God to be equipped for this. So that's a life that's being changed and equipped by the word of God and the indwelling presence of the spirit of God. And that's a characteristic of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. You will not stay the same. If you keep surrendering, keep humbling yourself before God and his word, believing in Jesus Christ, you will not stay the same. You can't stay the same. If your faith is in Jesus, he's going to be about growing you and changing you in his own likeness for as long as you are this side of heaven. And you ought to welcome that and joyfully welcome the change that God brings as you keep your faith fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in his word. And so Peter says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You need that grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You need to grow in it from 2 Peter 3.18. So, may it be said of us, as Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, and I long for this to be true of us, that we could look around at each other and say this, because your faith is growing abundantly 
and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Your faith, may your faith grow abundantly. May our faith grow abundantly as God's children. I pray that that we would hunger for that. Genuine faith, what does it look like? What is it? Genuine faith in Jesus is belief in Jesus, and it believes his word. Genuine faith in Jesus is based on the truth of God's word, and genuine faith in Jesus is a growing faith. You will be growing if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are seeking the truth of the word to be changed by it. So may God use his word this week. I hope that's your desire as you leave this place and go into a fresh week. May God use his word this week in our hearts, in our lives, to help us grow in our faith and continue to grow day by day in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not stop believing in Jesus.